Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Along those lines, let's get into the Word of God this morning. I really want you to, I want to make a deposit. Yesterday we had, and I know Friday night we had the, the children's graduation. Uh, I want to call all the new students that are transferring from Sunday school to the sanctuary. Can you come forward? If you're going to move it. Oh, Max, Julian. Oh, Lord, Jesus, Daniela. What's going on here? Oh, princesses. My goodness. I didn't realize that, that these, these wonderful these are the ones now that have graduated from Sunday school. Um, they're going to look back at Sunday school like you look back at kindergarten uh, and, and say, you know, you don't fit back into those classrooms because you've outgrown them. Uh, many of them began here uh, when they were two and three uh, in the, the toddler room. Um, and here they are now becoming a part of the congregation. Uh, this is a rite of passage. They're not going to be considered children no more. Now they're considered men and women. Uh, little men, little women, but that's fine. Uh, they have their hearts set on increase, uh, on growth, on maturity. And, and they're growing up in the house of the Lord in a very powerful understanding. I, I would put any one of these here against any grown man or woman to set the standard of the Lord and the measure of God. Uh, for this world, and that makes them supernaturally powerful, um, and and they know the stature and the measure of the fullness of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. They've been faithful with their memory verses. They've been faithful with their assignments, with their attendance. And and I, again, you know, one of the themes in our Sunday school is like arrows in the hand of mighty. Uh, I guarantee you that these these young men and young women are going to hit the bullseye, and they're going to champion life. Um, because they were brought up in the fear of God. And so there's nothing that's going to uh, cause them to disconnect or separate from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And, and this is what we're talking about. In the house of God, we're raising up champions that are able to bless and serve their generation in the purpose of God. So extend your hands forward as we introduce them to the congregation of the Lord as men and women that will partake in what our vision is and in our service. Father, thank you for these young men. Father, we consecrate them and separate them to your cause upon the earth, Lord, that they would champion life with the spirit of the Lord, like Daniel, Lord, like Joseph, like those young men that were able to change the world. They had a different speech. They were 10 times wiser than their peers. They were strong and mighty. They weren't cowards. They weren't fearful. For you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and might and love and a sound mind. I pray that they would stay away from a snare and a pit and evil and that purity grows in their hearts and that would be their strength, Lord, that they would grow up to be champions in this world, that they would be a blessing to their families, that they would be a blessing to their God, that they would be a blessing to the church, Father God. Set them forth in this generation, Father God, as a standard and measure of righteousness for your glory. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks for the young girls, Lord, that grew up in the house of God, that were able to champion Sunday school and be respectful and obedient, and they were able to be virtuous, which means extreme wisdom, Lord. 
They have the measure and the mark of excellence, Father. And now they move into the congregation to be a blessing to our church and to be the strength of our church. Give them gifts, give them talents to be able to serve the body of Christ and be glorious and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And we bless them with a spirit of purity and a passion to be excellent in your ways, O God. And pray, Father God, that they would be a blessing to their families, to their siblings, to their church, for your glory, Lord, and keep them from harm, keep them from distortion of thoughts, Lord. Keep them, Father God, consistently pursuing your purpose here upon the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the church says, amen, amen, amen. Welcome to the congregation. Congregation, you guys bless them later on. Hallelujah. So we're ready for the word of God this morning, and I just pray that you have a desire to hear from God. And, and God is, I was, the Lord was talking to me about, you know, other matters, but then a pressing matter came into my heart, which is the climate of the last days, the climate of darkness that fills the earth is found there in Matthew 24, verse 12. It says, because things out of order uh, because the spirit of lawlessness will increase, because people are not abiding within the confounds and the measure of God's word, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, the, 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 there's a whole uh, strategic um, assault on God's plan in the last days. And, and so I want you to know the contrast that God is calling you into a climate that is opposite where the devil is taking people. So lawlessness and things out of place causes people's heart to grow cold in the substance of love. And this strategic, what the devil does, as God told, um, and we're going to hear from that, as they approach God and they say, listen, cut to the chase and give me the bottom line. Don't, don't, don't confuse me with the rhetoric of theology and, and all deep insight and profundity in the matters of the kingdom, cut to the chase and give me the bottom line. And what did Jesus say? The emphasis is focus on your love for God and focus on your love for others. And if you just concentrate on that capacity, and listen, I don't think there's anything more difficult than being able to set your heart apart to have compassion and a desire for the best interests of others in a climate where people don't have time. They don't have time for other people. Who cares about Colorado? Who cares? Uh, let them perish and die. Let them be lost. Guess what? One of the powerful things of our trip to Colorado were the young families, young couples that came up and says, we need to know how to champion this thing is so difficult getting along. How do we, how do we start a family? How, how does this thing work about walking into unity? And those young couples, I, I, would, I, was, I would barely attempted to move to Colorado just because of these young couples that are hungry for knowing the right direction to do life. And, they, and these people that, that want, you, you have other people, they have an apathy for, leave me alone, pastor. Why are you meddling? We, we had this one young girl uh, got 
her fiance, she, she asked the parents to get married in Mexico. So uh, the guy goes up to the parents and says, I'd like your daughter. I would like to marry her. And so the parent says, yeah, you're a good guy, whatever. And, but the girl says, you need to talk to my pastors first. She's a wise girl. Talk to my pastors first before you come and, and kidnap me into your craziness. So we sat down with, with her. She wanted me and Pastor Medieros to talk to her and to talk to this fiance who was coming in. Didn't know much about God. And, and right before we sat down, he says, before we get started, I have one question. It was so hilarious. You know, I didn't kill him because the grace of God was with me, strong. Usually it happens in the mission fields. When I go out there, God is really heavy on me. So he says, before we get started in our first discussion about me being interested, and I asked her to be my wife, before you guys start telling me anything, I have one question for you. It was hilarious. And he goes, why are you meddling in my matters? Javi, this is for you. You have four daughters, brother. When somebody comes and asks you to marry your daughter and then sits in front of you and says, why, 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 why don't you mind your own business? Could you see why I almost killed him? He wants to come. Hey, Palma, you too. Pastor Palma has four daughters. When somebody says, I want to marry your daughter, and then you say, yeah, but I want to talk. And then the guy says, wait, wait, wait. Before you tell me anything, why don't you mind your own business? He says, why are you messing with me? I said, sir, it was your ignorant, foolish heart to come into our family to want to take one of our most beloved treasures. How did you ever think that we're meddling with your matters? And not you have to give an answer why you want and deserve to take what we hold in highest esteem. And he goes, okay, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay, I understand now. He apologized, and then he went through suffering. He went through the process. But, but what I'm saying is this, that in the last days, the climate of darkness is going to be the inability to love. And so if you're the people of God, and what I see here, that... Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness will be great, that word abound means abundance, because there'll be a greater capacity not to love, then people will reel back on this expression that was seen so clearly at the cross. That God was moved by this element for God so loved the world, not because of its righteousness, not because of its walking appropriately. There was something greater than the sin of mankind. The love of God overabounded. His desire to bring an element that made the difference. And I think that in our lives, um, while I had another purview um, I want to cut to the chase because that will be the standard measure of you being mature in Christ is your capacity. Verse 10, look what it says. Many will be offended. 
If you're going to walk in love, you have to fly way above the strategic assault of offense. Because offense will lead to you to disconnect, betray one another, and will hate one another. So I've titled this message, Offense, Love, and Victory. What are you going to do with offense? And when it shows itself up, it's ugly head. How many agree? There's not a day that goes by that the devil doesn't try and bring something across my life to be severely and profoundly offended so that I can move all my weaponry, the weapons of mass destruction, pointed at the object of my offense. I destroy you. And, and God is saying, no, that's not the spirit of God that, that I demonstrated on the cross. So that love has to, and, and I know the stale subject matter in religious circles, love thy neighbor. And it becomes a cliche. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to love this imbecile that just offended me. I'm supposed to somehow in, there has to be a reality in my life that when offense comes, there's portions of something greater, not from me, because in me there is no good thing, and, and I get very creative when I'm offended. How about you? I could just see pen nails like the voodoo doll going into the eyeballs towards the object of my offense. And, and if we're offended every day, and everything becomes a matter of offense, then I become a military machine to attack this invader that is trampling upon. There was, literally, there was literally an old person that would wake up in the morning, have coffee, and sit at the window of their house to watch who would stand on their grass. Do you know somebody like that? As a child... I knew these neighbors. Like, what, do these people not live other than to watch, to see? And, and a ball would go into their grass, and I would, like, I would, like, tiptoe to try and get my ball, and, and, hey, get off my yard! It was like a, a way before laser beams and, and alarms and stuff like that, there's some people that live to find out somebody who would dare to trample their grass their territory, their life, to be offended. I don't want to live there. Yesterday, we had an opportunity with Pastor Jules to play a little bit of golf, and, and some guy was upset. He hit the ball, and then he threw his driver, and he threw a tantrum, and, and he was getting upset. And we were playing with some guys, and it says, we notice you don't get upset. I said, listen, I'm upset at my wife. I'm upset in my marriage. I'm upset in my fancy. I pastor a church, get upset. I'm not going to come and play golf to get upset. Come out here to relax. I don't care how many times I mess up. And the ball doesn't go where I, I told it to go. I'm not going to get upset. I'm so angry. I have to pick and choose what I'm going to be upset about. And so I've decided to be upset at the devil and uh, at, at the work of not, not going on on the earth. 
I'm, I'm going to direct my passions in, in a proper mindset. And then this thing about Matthew 24, 10, I hope this is not you. Many will be offended. You know why it cannot be you? Because you have a different spirit. You're not being offended and you're not offending. Many people are going to stumble, but you better not be the, the thing that causes them to stumble. I, I remember growing up here in the church 20 years ago, I, I told Pastor Oscar, you're making a lot of single women stumble. And they've left the church upset at you. If it happens one more time, you're the one that's going to leave. Because we're not in the church to cause people to stumble. We're not here. This is not the function of you coming and cutting against the grain in every direction. I have a different opinion about the color of the paint, the size of the chairs, and whatever. You're not here to do that. I, I pray that there would be such an overwhelming baptism of love because my Bible says the multitude of love covers offense. So no longer am I going to say that you got offended or that you got provoked or that you walk in a mindset contrary to Christ who instructed, I give you a new commandment. Make sure that you offend one another. Make sure that you are offended by one another. No, he says, make sure you love one another. So that the greatest expression of us towards the heart of others, we're going to break the bread this week. We have the Lord's Supper on Wednesday. And it says, listen, to avoid being sick, debilitated, and dead spiritually, make sure you forgive and put away offense. And how dare you? Call yourself a Christian, and that stuff never leaks from your pores. That there not be this manifest presence of that love. So, so the climate in the last days, and, and obviously we come to the house of God, and I wanted to be clear, you know, and, and this is my heart always. If there's anything that has to be cleaned up before the coming of the Lord, I need to bring the body of Christ to address this. In other words, you don't want a pastor that it's lovely, dovely, dovely, and then you have trespassed the boundaries of the kingdom, and you see that you're in as much darkness as the world is in darkness. Because your climate is one of offense, of offending, of, of provoking people to grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. They will be offended. They will be distanced, betraying one another. They will walk in hatred. Listen, um, I have to bring that up because you say, well, I don't hate anyone. Well, let's measure what you think love is, uh, what you think hate is, and what Bible says hate is. Because that's another thing. Uh, some people, until we look into the word of God, we don't even know that we're the embodiment of hatred. And so I would take you to Proverbs 10, 12. It says, the expressed manifest present of hatred is those who stir up dissension. 
those who are just, I call it, they're muddying the waters. They're, they're always controversy. They're always stirring up the distinction, the dissension. I, I don't know how many words could describe strife. But look at the opposite. Love is covering up. So hatred is pointing out. And we've become experts at pointing out and always have a accusatorial finger going towards somebody for something that rubbed us wrong. We didn't even know that that stirring up of that climate is a spirit contrary to the spirit of the Lord. What One of the hallmarks of our travels with 10 men is all being on the same page the whole time. Nobody's saying, oh, I don't like this restaurant. I don't like waking up at this time. I don't like going to sleep at this time. I don't like this hotel. I don't like this flight. I don't like the seat I got on the airplane. Listen, because there is a climate of love, man, we, we look like we were smoking marijuana in Colorado. We were happier than the people that are high. Because the Spirit of God is present, we all get along. One guy's from Haiti, the other guy's from Puerto Rico, the other guy, God knows where he's from, Harlem. I don't know where Harlem is, somewhere in New York. But all of us inundated by the love of God with an attitude of who are we that we might be on this trip? It's the overwhelming love of God that blows us away and there's no, listen, they didn't even hear, Joshua, you didn't hear me snore, right? Joshua was my roommate. He's like, I'm going to pray for mom more. She's a saint. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yvette sleeps like if my snore is music, classical, symphonic. She enjoys it. She's missing it for these three days. But what I'm saying, when there's love present, there's no occasion of offense. So if you're being offended... Talk to your love meter, because it's not working. You're stirring up dissension is the demonstration that you're in darkness and hatred is coming out of your pores. I've seen this happen all too often, that somebody who has received Romans 5.5, 5, this is where we receive our measure, that's the capacity to not be offended and not stir up dissension and not be a hater, and not grow cold in our love, and not fall away and betray one another. Hope does not disappoint us, because God is prepared uh, to pour out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Cause the Spirit of God to overflow in your cup, so that would occasionally would be the case to be offended and grow cold and distance yourself from God, from his people, from his work, is not a matter that you bring up as an issue as to why you stumble. We, we met with the Florida Board of Governors that I was appointed to here in Florida, and this one girl, she comes up, she had been kicked out of two programs, she's rubbing everybody wrong, her supervisor, her peers, her underlings, and she says, that's just who I am. I said, ma'am, 
the way God set up the world is that in deep darkness is when you should shine the greatest. If I have to wait for a perfect environment for me to walk in the love of God, it's never going to happen. I have to, I have to fly like the eagle does above the storm, above the fray, and I have to live in existence regardless of the climate of my surroundings. I cannot, I cannot be conformed and turn and transform to the climate of I'm in a and you turn into a pterodactyl to defend yourself because you're being assaulted and offended and you're turning into a monster well in that climate we're to be the people of God the countenance expresses Lord forgive them they do not know what they're doing but I'm not moved I'm not shaken, I'm not stirred, I'm not, I'm not contorting and having spasms and seizures. Ugh, I, uh, and you're like, what happened? I'm going to kill. No, no, they're going to kill you. Satan owns you. So the love of God is not coming. Well, if they would be loving, then I would be loving. If they would be peaceful, I would be peaceful. If they would be helpful, I would be the most helpful. No. That's not the climate we're living in in the last days. There's going, Satan has made sure. You know, I, I said this about 15 years ago here at this church. Since we do not keep company with the world, that's not the place of our fellowship, where do you think you're going to have occasion to be offended? Here! With the people that you're doing life with that surround you. We had one woman say, Pastor, I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to serve. And we put her at the information booth, the, the customer service center. She got so offended, she left the church. She left the church. Because when you start working with one another, not everybody grew up like you. Well, one of the most powerful things was Pastor Oscar and Isabel, uh, one Cuban, one Cuban America, moved to Nicaragua. To a land of savages that were, oh, you guys are different than us, different customs, different ethnicities, different, we don't like you, and we don't like your wife. We like you, Pastor, but we don't like Isabel. And I said, Pastor Oscar, they're driving a wedge between you and your perfect helper. And, and their capacity to love the Nicaraguan people and you can only appreciate this if you're Nicaraguan. You can only appreciate the treachery and the betrayal and the, the hostility and the strife and dissension and debate. There in that atmosphere, they shined like the stars of the heaven because their love for that people was greater. In the time where they were keeping all the preachers out of the nation, the government gave Pastor Oscar an ID. He was the only foreign national that could come into Nicaragua to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his character, because of his love, because of his authenticity, his integrity. How many know that when we have a message like this, we're all in trouble? Right? You know you're in trouble. 
Because you know what's going to happen as soon as I finish the message. There's going to be a huge opportunity to be offended beyond measure. And some of you won't even come back to church because you're offended. So I, I want to hallmark, I want to bring this to light because I'm looking at the scripture and God says in the last days, selfishness will be the hallmark of the climate of the earth. Men will be lovers of themselves, have no opportunity to have compassion. Who's from where, from whence cometh your greatest offenses? And your opportunity there to show yourself to be a son of the most high God. To be a daughter of the king. Oh, I, I love that. Daughter of the king. And then when you're offended, ah, ah, the pterodactyl comes out. For the men, the Leviathan. The, the, the viciousness. And so here we continue Revelations 2.4, when he writes to the church, he says, listen to me. I recognize there's an area in your life that is not highlighted and you have abandoned your first love. You're disconnected from the source that allows you to become the person I've called you to. So the rebuke is return to that place. I, I love when people get to church. I love everybody. Everybody's so nice. Where did these people come from? And then five years later, they're like, oh my God, where did these people come from? It's a different expression, but they're allowing offense to be the prevailing expression of their heart. And so Hebrews 10.24 says, I want you to understand that you're called to stir let us consider one another in order to stir up strife, hatred, content, offense in the hearts of one another so you feel super uncomfortable walking into church. Can you believe there's people in this church that walk by each other and do not even acknowledge their presence? They're offended. Somehow or another, there's a thorn. There's an occasion to lash out the, the, the opposite hatred is called indifference. I'm going to acknowledge you even exist. you kidding me? You, you talked about my family. You messed with my son. You said my daughter was this. Listen to me. We have so many buttons the devil loves to push. And if I could push all their buttons. Listen, some people are masterpiece, um, diligent experts. I, your, your security, uh, what's it called? Your cybersecurity um, the levels of your, what, what is that when you have levels of, you're able to go, if you're in the government, you have different levels you could attain. What's it called? Clearance. Your security clearance is phenomenal because you got deep inside your brother and sister's life and you know exactly what buttons to push and to say, God bless you. You stir them up like there's no tomorrow and then you, you, God bless you. And, and so I'm saying, Lord, give me the capacity to be, and it's not even, it's not even owned by us, is give me the capacity to allow your love 
to be poured out. Because in this matter of Hebrews 10.24, let us consider ways, let us consider one another in order to stir up love. What, what, is, what is this full measure of love? Um, when people used to come to get divorced at my law office, they, they would have a list of everything their spouse would have done to occasion the justification of their divorce. And they're like, look, 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 look. And, then, and what they want to do is actually, they want to tell me everything bad enough so that I agree with them. Yeah, the guy's a jerk. Get away from him. So they're trying to pile up the justifications so that my sentiments are contaminated. Because now his offense becomes my offense when I share it with someone I shouldn't share it with because I need to go back to that person and say, I'm sorry. And get on the same page and heal lest we all become participants, and, and so it doesn't matter how it is. You're either black or white, you're rich or poor, you're Republican or Democrat, and the devil's trying to separate everyone on occasion to be before or after. I try to stay clear of having the devil make me shoot a missile into the camp where I should be shooting love. In other words, I got to be careful that I not become an instrument in the hands of Satan because I'm an instrument in the hands of God. I'm a minister of his love. I'm a vessel of his mercy. I need to give others what they don't have so that they have what I've been given. And so this guy that you guys know, the guy that I wasn't going to pull down my window and tell him a word of God, he's latched on to our church and he's not leaving for a good time. You know why? Because one morning, somebody opened the window and blessed him in a manner that he has never seen. And I could have woken up angry that morning and cursed the traffic and cursed him and say, why don't you go get a real job? And offended him. But the Spirit of God led me to be a blessing to his life, a refreshing, an encouragement. And so he's latched on to our church in a manner He's not letting go anytime soon. He can't get enough of what God has poured out here. My concern for many years was that people would bring the junk that's out there into the house of God and destroy this place. They love, we, we know how to be dysfunctional. How many say amen? We know, we've been trained. If you want somebody on your team, I was, I was the most aggressive, evil person. I want him on my team. So that he not lash against me the missiles of hell that he's capable of lashing out. So there it is. We're to get together and consider ways to stir up love which lead to good works. I just pray that I'm talking to the right people this morning. That we're interested in not being part of the devil's wave and current in the last days. I've been an object of his love and his mercy. I need to give mercy and love. I have to be known by compassion of receiving what I'm not worthy of. So how and in what element does this happen? Verse 25, in the gathering of the saints, don't forsake coming together. Every single one of those people in their living room, they're doing fine. They don't have to get upset at anything that goes wrong here because they're in their safe place. Some of them are in cancel culture. They've decided to turn the channel so that this word does not offend them. Because they have not walked in love. They have not stirred up love. 
they are offended, their love has grown cold, they betray, and they hate one another. They are faucets of poison, of toxin, that come straight from, from the pit of hell. And he says, do this um, not like the manner of some, but exhort one another so much more as you see the day of his return approaching. What's that mean? That the end of all things is near. A lot of people always question pastors and say, hey, you, you think we're close to Jesus coming back? I'm like, I don't know. Let me read a verse to you in 1 Peter 4, verse 7. 2,000 years ago, it was written, the end of all things is within reach. If 2,000 years ago, the people who wrote the Bible says the, ne- the end is near, who are you to ask the question, do you think we're near the end? In the last days, he would send his son. Hey, pastor, you think we're living the last days? Well, read Hebrews 1, 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. In the last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Hey, do you think we're in the last days? I think we're in the last days, people. I think everything is prepared to measure what's flowing from your heart. And who is it going to measure with? With the people you surround yourself with. Are you a refreshing? Are you an encouragement? Are you a quick forgiver? Do you hold grudges? We had some women here that would not get along for 10 or 5 years at the Christmas gala. Well, if she's going to help, I'm not going to help. Well, guess what? The devil's going to help both of you. He's going to help himself to a serving of taking you prisoner, captive, to become his servant, to walk contrary to love, to walk contrary to these things. So 1 Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Be serious and watchful. Okay, I want to be serious and watchful. What do I be serious and watchful for? Well, let's read the next verse, verse 8. Make sure that above all things, you're fervent in loving one another. Well, I failed. Well, I fell short. Well, I'm not walking out in that reality. Well, I go to church and I have a Bible and I scream hallelujah and glory to God, but I can't stand anyone and nobody could stand me. What's fervent in love mean? Be on fire. Be contagious with the authenticity. How many people hate hypocrisy? How many can tell when somebody's not loving you and they're just pretending? The Bible says with sincerity. And truth, that's the, that's the unleavened bread. Don't walk like a, a Pharisee pretending that you love somebody. I, the, the worst divorce I was ever a part of. How many want to hear about the worst divorce I was ever a part of? I, mean, I did this for 20 years. Here's the worst divorce I've ever been a part of. It was a Christian man married to a Christian gal. They were separated. They were going through a divorce. And he shows up to her and he says, the Bible says I'm supposed to love you. And she's like, get a life, you deadbeat. I never want to see you the rest of my life. Because a man is not supposed to say, God says, I'm supposed to love you. The Bible says, for husband, love your wives. And he had some type of materialized his brain to tell his wife, I hate your guts, but the Bible says, I'm supposed to love you. And she felt super unloved and super rejected. And, and this religious Pharisee hypocrite was trying to, to bring in the Bible into the fakeness of his incapacity to lay down his life for his wife. And, but Jesus says, no greater love than this, than you yield 
lay down your life. I can't lay down my life. They're telling me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. How dare them meddle into my existence? Well, guess what? If you love, you've laid down your life. You've yielded. You, I, I love the verse of Romans 3.23. I think it says that God demonstrates his love. I'm going to find that verse for you because it's super powerful. And, and it says he demonstrated his love um, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us so that we might be willing to live in the manner that he desires. He demonstrates his love while we were yet sinners. So here it is. Uh, let's, let's do 1 Peter 4, 8 first. Above all things, stir up dissension. No, we're, we're, different. we're different people now. We're fervent in love. We're stirring up love unto good works. Above all things, the, the last days are here. Be fervent in love for one another. For love acknowledges the lack of offense. Covers the multitudes of trespass. Hey, get off my grass! Hey, look at you! You came across the... In line. The line. I put a line there. Why did you pass the line? The opportunity to catch your brother and your sister in an offense. Well, let's ask what God did for you. He poured out his love and didn't see any offense. Love covers the multitude of sin. Now, one of the things that happened, it was very curious, right before Nick got married in December, we were sitting down and as a family um, having dinner, and we were all talking about different areas of our lives, and we we're pointing these things out, and then all of a sudden Nick says, Melissa is perfect. I said, this man's in love. Perfect. There's not a law nothing she does is wrong i said brother you're ready to get married and you will have no problems in that marriage because he's not quick to point out you left the toilet down you left the toothpaste out you left i i could just hear them now lord but because of the intensity with which he loves her zero fault line there's nothing happening there Everything is glorious. Perfecting the love of one another. Why? Because this leads to verse 9, which is the demonstration of your love, is be hospitable. Treat the person like they are in the hospital. Treat the person like they are in ICU, intensive care unit. The more problematic, the more love. The more care, the more attention. The more favorable client, uh, cl climate, to, it says be hospital, hospitable without grumbling. Do you walk away from a situation and you're, and you're boiling over? And the first person you get, what are you going to do? You're going to poison with what you're carrying. You become toxic waste management. You're pouring what God 
is trying to deplete and diminish so that we could go with him at the second coming of Christ. He doesn't want you to be blemished and stained. Having offense against one another, that is what causes you to be a son of God. That you are not grumbling, that you're not complaining. Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever conceals an offense is promoting love. If you're not revealing what they did to you, it's because you want to love. You want to make a climate that doesn't diminish what should be pervasive in our existence. So I used to tell, I used to, I used to stand there, I had occasion to stand there at, at the door of the church, and it's Sunday morning, people are coming into church, and I would hear the comments. And I literally heard this one comment, Man, you're having a bad hair day. That was hello. I was like, I don't even know how these people could go to the same church with one another. Because they literally open up their mouths to purposely, intentionally offend. I think what she was doing is, I got you first, like tag. Before anybody offends me and tells me anything about my dress and my makeup and and my weight, I'm going to tag them first with what's going to provoke them to a horrible day. And so we're called to walk different. And those who repeat a matter, this not only are they stirring up hatred, but they're separating even close friends because there ought to be unity and harmony. God moves in unity and harmony. Why are you bringing an offense? Well, if we tell enough people, I'll have enough people on my team to go against somebody else. And then I could have a great time at church while that person has the most miserable time. And so the devil is using people, and that has been our great contention for so long in this house. If you cover by forgiving an offense, you're promoting love. But if you don't forgive and you carry it and you repeat it, you are a toxic instrument. Um, Proverbs 19.11, if you have good sense, you're slow to get angry. You're, you're careful not to fall in the trap because to overlook a matter expands the glory of God. To not get angry, to not, uh, you know, there was a time, and you guys know this, uh, my kids were in eighth grade, and they were in middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth, and they started coming home and talking to me horrific stories about their Bible teacher. But this guy is so rude, and this guy hates you, Dad, and he hates our church, and he hates your preachings, and he hates, and he talks bad. And, and listen, from August to December, I was about to kill the man. I didn't even know the man. Every time I went to the school to pick up my children, I, I would see visions of me grabbing him by the throat and punching him till, till he would pass out. But in December, there was a greater force in me that says, there's no way that this Bible teacher could be so evil. So I'm going to invite him to preach on Sunday morning. And I didn't tell my children anything. But I went above where the devil was pressing me towards. Because I'm not a follower of the devil. 
when evil thoughts come in, I actually have the Spirit of God giving me God's answers. So how I can deal with contention and offense and things, because I want the glory of God to be seen and not the devil prevail using me as his puppet. So I invited this guy to preach. He came and gave a powerful word of the Lord. And my kids were looking at me like, Dad, what's he doing up there? Because I'm walking in a different spirit than you. The devil has you by the ear, and I'm free to love everyone like Christ loved me. I'm free. I don't have to subjugate myself to be a prisoner that wants to take me captive in a sentiment of offense. And by this time, the whole church should be crying, but that was just on my notes. This isn't my notes, that the, the expression of this word from God would break us down to our knees. We would fall on our face, and Lord, from this day forward, I refuse to be offended, and I will walk in love in every direction. That's who I am. It's not what I do. It's what God has done in us. I'm not going to walk in that way no more, because my Bible says in Proverbs 18, 19, that an offended brother becomes a stronghold. It becomes a fortified prison. A brother offended is harder to get on your page than a strong city. And disputes and contention become like bars in the castle. And what do you do keeping your brother in prison? Keeping them captive. I can't can't go here because they're there. I can't go to the cafeteria because they're there. I can't go to the lobby because they're there. And the devil has allowed you to imprison your brother in an offense. So guess what? Year of Jubilee, all prisoners set free. Because right now we're going to begin to ask for forgiveness and to get on the same page and not let the devil prevail. Not let the devil in this place. They need to be in darkness out there, but not in here. Let's not bring the junk out there in here and start a dysfunctional family like the one we grew up with. That's not to be. John 13, 35, by this, all will know that you are my true followers because the expression of love is greater than the expression of offense. You're not easily offended. In fact, you're not offended at all. Get mad at the devil. He's the the one player in the relationships destroying. And I've seen this happen time and time again, that wherever God has greater unity of force and strength, The devil wants me to break off with that person so there is no increased strength. One shall put a flight 1,000, two shall put the flight 10,000. So wherever the devil is getting me offended and upset, I'm saying, listen, I got to drop this because I am greater with that person and the devil is trying to wedge our relationship apart through offense. And we know it's his climate causing the love of many to grow cold so that they betray one another and because, and, and so that they hate, they stir up dissension. But you will be my disciples because you love one another. First John 2, 9. If anyone claims that they have come to the light, but you're stirring up dissension with your brother, you're still in darkness. You thought that you had had some breakthroughs, but the truth is you remain in darkness. You claim to be in the light, but you have stirred up dissension. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life. How? We've transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from death to darkness, 
because we know how to love the brethren. We're not walking in the fence no more. Listen to me, people. I had developed by the age of 13 an attitude of offense that when I would wake up in the morning and I was going to school, see my teacher, see my friends, seeing whoever, and I had an attitude, it's like, what you looking at? Because I, I was going out to provoke offense or to be offended at the most minimal thing. Let's go outside, brother, come on. And I, I carried that spirit until Jesus came into my heart. And now when I'm driving or I'm in school or I'm getting offended, I smile and the peace that is elicited from my face and the joy of God and the lack, the inability. I think the closest time I wanted to kill somebody, I went to with Brandon. I went to a store and Brandon was like 11 years old. And this guy began to vomit. I hate your gods. And I, yeah. I had visions of grabbing him by the throat, pulling him over the, the, the I said, no, a pastor shouldn't do that. But, but it was because he was vicariously hitting Brandon's young, impressionable person with words against me. So it wasn't so much I was offended at what he was saying to me. I was, a, I was kind of like offended that, that he was staining my, my, my child's heart with accusations and untruth. Listen to me. I, I said, God bless you, man. And the only reason you're upset at me is because I care for you. I came and I knelt right here and I saw it, Lord, take this offense away from me. You, vengeance is yours. You deal with people the way you want to deal with them. I don't want to carry this in my heart. I, I don't want to, this to affect my life, my decisions, my peace, my joy. I knelt down. I gave it to the Lord. So in that manner, um, we know that, that we have the capacity to have people just say the wrong things and, and cross us and, and do things that have the potential to remember our former days. But, but that's not who we are anymore. That's not how we walk. So we know we have passed from light to darkness because we love the brethren. 1 John 3, 14, we read that. He who does not love his brother, he abides in a toxic state of death. You can't help what people are thinking about you as, as long as it's, concerns you make sure that you're not provoking these things first john 3 23 and this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of jesus christ and that's connected to the next verse which says and love one another as he gave us the commandment not the suggestion not the 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 encouragement but he commanded you first john 4 20 if anyone says i love god but has issues with his brother there's contention He's a liar. He's walking in, in deception. For he who does not love those that are around who he's seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? This is the real scenario. I used to tell husbands uh, years ago, they said, well, if I was at the top of the mountain and I was sitting there without my wife and without my problems, I'd be the holiest man alive. No, you're called to be holy with your wife, with your children, with all that happens in our atmosphere and climate. So find that as an opportunity to perfect your love. Find that as an opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. All his teachings were so powerful. When an expert came up in Mark 12, 28, he came up to Jesus and said, listen, I've noticed what you're teaching. And he asked him a question. Let's get to the bottom line. What is the commandment? What is the most important? The first commandment. And Jesus answered, first and foremost, this commandment, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And verse 31, this is the second most important measure in your life with God, that you have an expression of love towards those that surround you. There is no other greater commandment than these. And the scribe admirably answered, Teacher, you've truthfully stated that he is the one and there's no other. And to the love him with all our heart and with the understanding and with the strength and to love one's neighbor as much as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Everything we do serving God doesn't come to the measure. You are not far from the kingdom of God, Jesus answered. Verse 34. And after that, no one would dare to ask him any more questions because the bottom line is that. I had a friend of mine who's a pastor here in Miami. He says, Joaquin, do you know the depth, the mysteries of the revelation of the theological and biblical profundities of the word of God? I say, hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. I'm still trying to love God with everything I am and love those people I have beside me. Don't invite me to deeper waters. I don't want to be the great theological guru and can't stand anybody. We get to heaven. The measure is going to be, and then they ask him, who is my neighbor? Look right next to you. Your neighbor's sitting right next to you. That's it. You don't have to sit there and be this, oh, I'm going to love the Chinese. I'm going to love the the Arabs and the Islamics. I'm going to love the, the, the Taliban. No, mister. The person next to you. If you can't even splatter, not even a little spittle of compassion, we got to throw ourselves on our knees. we got to ask God, make it real for me. Matthew 5, 43, he says, You heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love those that are unselfish and seek the best. Your enemies, pray for those who are persecuting you. The most difficult climate so that you might show yourself to be a legitimate son of God. Verse 45. That you might be sons of your father. You cannot establish the character of being a son or daughter of God until you decided I will not be offended. Number one, I will not offend. Number two. The Bible, Jesus says, it's impossible that offenses not come. But make sure you're not the one. Make sure that you're not. I was, I was talking about these relationships. You got positive and negative, and you put that sucker together. and <laughs> Listen, whatever it takes to, for you this to touch that and not have a spark, that needs to be you. You need to make occasion that there's no offense that there's no stumbling because he says, uh, verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what have you shown? I get along with some people great. I, I could spend the entire year, day after day with Danny Lopez. That guy's a gentleman. I, I would only pray that, that my nieces would be wise enough to take the last gentleman on the earth. My nieces are 46, and they're like, but he's so young. It doesn't matter. He's a man. He's a real man. He's a gentleman after God's heart, and God's just going to make him the wealthiest man that we've ever known. And my nieces are going to be crying. <sighs> I can't believe we missed the opportunity. 
So some people are super easy to get along with. And then some people, um, Pastor Oscar has named these people porcupines. It doesn't matter how you try to bring them close, they're going to prick you for heaven's sake. It doesn't matter that you're trying to do something and bend over back, back there to cause, they're going to they're gonna kick their heel and hit you with one of their spines. Sea urchins, we call them. Listen, I, I think his formula was whenever he sees a porcupine come into church, he goes over and gives them a big hug so that Pastor Oscar keeps all the spines inside of him so that other people could tolerate them more. And he's done that. He's done that. And so in that manner, we're those that are different. I thank God for this word because I didn't know how I was going to bring it because it's such a stale word in our days. We don't have the capacity to understand. But Jesus says, if you love those who love you, you don't have a reward. In verse 47, Matthew 5, 47, if you greet those who are your brothers and you want the best for them and you encourage them and they could be without offense, what more are you doing than evil people, wicked people? Do not the Gentiles do the same? Verse 48, you therefore will be perfect in maturity in your mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily lives and you're being perfect as your father is perfect. You have the capacity to love those that are not easy to love. Romans 5, 7, it says, now it is an extraordinary thing for one to be willing. That was that verse I was looking for that I said, Romans 3, 23. Um, it's this one, Romans 5, 7. Scarcely will a man die for another man, yet perhaps a good man might be able to dare to, to suffer offense and liability and diminish and loss of his life for somebody that has good intentions. But here, verse 8, God demonstrates his love towards us while we were awful. Well, if they wouldn't be so rude and obnoxious, I could possibly tolerate them. No, it's while they are rude and obnoxious and you want to kill them and wish they'd die and buy a voodoo doll that looks just like them and prick their eyeballs. While you have sentiments of animosity and distrust and disloyalty, you are going to demonstrate love and it's not going to be hypocritical. It's going to be in a manner that that person feels embraced. Christ died for us. Galatians 5.22, the spirit has fruits, the first of which is manifest is love. Love will be able to be the equalizer and bring joy and peace and patience. A mother could never be offended. I've seen some mothers like Ted Bundy's mom. Oh, my, my, my son... He's so special. Yeah, special K. He's cracked in the head, killing and murdering women, raping, pillaging the earth. And the mom is like, que niño tan bueno. That mother's love for a child is like, and talk to Nick Mejias and you'll see that. Talk to my mom. My mom's like, you weren't that bad. My God, it was the scourge of the earth. My mom said, he was never that bad. Lord Jesus, help us. But here it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it continues on in 1 Corinthians 11. You guys read it. You know it by heart. And this is all about maturity. When I was a child, I used to think like a child, act like a child, and model a child's words, thoughts, and behaviors. The last days will be a climate of selfishness, 
we are going to champion the earth. Um, Pastor Mediato always says that to stand in this pulpit and to preach something like this, we could expect in the coming days, like the military in Afghanistan, of a great assault and attack in our ranks because the devil can't stand for us to perfect love and for it to be genuine. And remember, it's not your love, it's the love of God. It's the capacity to feel for that person that should be the object of your rage and your offense, and you love them because God first loved you. Father, we thank you for this word. We ask you to bless it in our hearts, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth good fruit. I'm gonna invite the congregation to stand this morning and just to lift your hand up in the air if this word is going to transform your conduct and your words in the coming days. And you're going to walk as the children of light, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, without complaining, without grumbling, without leading the charge of dissension amongst the brethren. The Bible says in Proverbs 6 that one of the th seven things that God hates the most is discord, the lack of harmony among the brethren. And so, Father, we want to raise to you the offense we have against our brother, our sister, who has offended us. We have been offended. We have probably occasioned offense. And we bring this before you to ask, us, ask you to forgive us and that you, the blood of Jesus wash away our brother's offense and make it white as snow and throw it in the sea of forgetfulness so that we might be able to embrace, so that we might be able to enjoy and celebrate the union of your presence in our midst as evidence that we're walking in the light, that we're living, Father God, in truth, that there's no deception in our hearts, and we do not want to be those easily offended or even difficultly offended in the last days because our love is not to grow cold, it's to grow hotter. We're to be fervent in love, being hospitable, being compassionate, taking these sins and covering them with the multitude of your love. And so we want to be legitimate and sincere in our faith. We want to walk without blemish, without stain. We want to suffer what Christ suffered. We want to be able to depict the reality of your presence in our hearts so that we are not dividing the body of Christ, so that we're not cutting it into pieces, that there not be anybody here at the church that we don't love because you loved us and you welcomed us and you brought us in closer and made a place for us and gave us garments of praise and garments of many colors, Lord. Because like Joseph's father covered him, we want to cover the body of Christ with the robes of righteousness, that she would be a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle, Lord. And we have no right to fling mud and to bring stain and toxic blemish in that which you have cleaned. Clean our hearts, Lord. Clean our thoughts, clean our words and that the love would be manifest in reality because we're called to love this world and they need it consummately in the purity of its legitimacy and not in the appearance of just an outward expression, but that we would cry and lament for those that are living difficult lives and they're not accepted anywhere, they're not welcomed anywhere, they feel that there's not a place of refuge but there is here in the house of God, Lord, as we, your people, have decided that we would walk in your commandments, that we might love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, and we bless you in the name of the Lord, that you might increase, that you might prosper, and that the devil would break his chains and his yoke.
from giving you everything God has for you, uh, physically, spiritually, and relationally. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Wednesday night is the Lord's Supper. It's the first day of the month. Uh, Bishop Wellington Boone will be sharing on Wednesday and then next Sunday also. God bless you.